Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mistress Carrie. Weekdays 10 to 3 on WAAF. Podcasts are always online and on your schedule at WAAF.com. That's the live version of the Bartender song from Rehab. They recorded right here on August 22nd, 2008 on this Looney Tunes Tuesday. Digging back through the archives, one of the things that happened uh, that shook the world is that the Red Sox won the World Series, and uh, none of us thought it could happen. And after it did, Bronson Arroyo came up to the studio, and I took him outside to the loading dock. I made him give me a pitching lesson. I insisted on putting on catcher's gear to actually catch catch a major league fastball, and then he broke my thumb. And uh, I found the audio, and this is Bronson Arroyo, uh, World Series champion Bronson Arroyo in the loading dock at WAF. The outfit for catching is a little cumbersome, Bronson. <laughs> i tell you what, I do not envy Jason Veritek ever. What do you guys call on. him in the locker room? Yeah, he's, we call him Quadzilla. He's, yeah, he uh, does have the largest. I think my quads are, you know, my thighs are just as big, but my quads are smaller. Right. <laughs> He's got the serious quads. All right, so you're going to give me a pitching lesson. Right. I've, I've got my Bronson Arroyo jersey on. We've decked you out in the AAF uniform. So I guess the, the first part of pitching has got to be the grip, right? Right. Well, yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, there's a lot of mechanics that go on, you know, but take us all day to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, no, break, break down so, the grip first. We can get to whole body position okay. stuff later. So I'm going to give you the two grips. So what, okay. Obviously, a fastball is the easiest pitch to throw okay. for a strike. That's the most important thing is throwing strikes. Right, of course. Doesn't matter how hard you Unless throw. you're throwing at the batter. <laughs> right. No, then, then it's then accuracy. You, then you still have to have accuracy, right? You got to have control. Right. To hit guys, it's not easy to hit people. Really? Yeah, it's tough. Do you aim for certain parts of the body, like uh, the ass? Do you aim for the yeah, ass? Yeah, if you want to hit guys, you usually want to hit them from the ribs down. You know, you don't want to hit guys up around the shoulder and the, and the head area because then, you know, it's just it's not good. You can end guys' careers. But um, usually going for the ribs. It's okay. Like, it's a good shot. Ribs are good. Le- That'll piss nice them off. Mark. <laughs> So anyway, you, there's two, two types of fastballs, okay. basically. One is a four-seam fastball, which means you're throwing across the four seams. So this is the one that's going to stay the straightest and the truest. It's not going to move okay. very much. And then you have the two-seam fastball, which means you're throwing, you know, with the two seams here, most people are going to grip it somewhere in this area. So that's this is considered the sweet spot, right? Right this, there? Right, that's so you're going to straddle spot. your fingers across exactly. the, the sweet spot. Right. Your two fingers are going to go right across the sweet spot. Okay. And um, that ball is going to be a fastball, but it's usually going to sink, which is the ball you see running down and into a right-hander like Mike Timlin throws all the time. Okay. That's usually you're looking for a ground ball. You want the double play. Okay. That's what usually happens. So one of those two grips is what you usually want to traditionally throw your fastball with, and uh, I would recommend the four-seamer because... You can throw it a little bit better now, for strikes. Now, how is that going to work with the nails, Bronson? Right, yeah, it's not going to work at all. You got, you got two inches on them things. What's going on? It's, <laughs> all right, uh, so, so this is the two seam like this. That's the two seam, and you can either have your fingers like you have on top of the two seams, yep. or you can put them closer together. Oh, closer together, closer so that together. you get the inside ridge of the, right. the stitching. No, it's just basically comfort level for you. If okay. Because if you get them too far apart, then it's going to turn into a split finger fastball, like um. Kurt Schilling throws. All right, so you're going to pitch to me now, but hold on. Everybody told me if you were going to pitch to me, I had a piece of equipment that I had to wear. Right. Hold on. <laughs> Beautiful. Right now she's, she's putting on her brand-new jock strap and cup. 
That is nice. Hold on. I've never worn one of these before, surprisingly enough. Wow. Nice package. <laughs> How do I look? See, now you just got to draw something on the front of it like a lot of the guys do. They, like, what do they draw on it? Different things. Maybe a fa you know. I feel like such a guy. No wonder you guys have to touch these all the time. Right, it's never see? in the right place. Yeah, people always think that we're just playing with ourselves, but actually... No, it's, it's you're uncomfortable. You're, right, you're adjusting. So glad I'm a girl right now. All right, so what do I do? First what are you, you looking for as a catcher? You got you to gotta squat down one. Okay. And you want to <clears throat> you want to give a good target. So that means, you know, visually right. So you want to have a good target. Oh, I got a good target, Bronson. Don't give me that. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, here we is go. It, is it too high? Is it too low? No, that's perfect. Good? That's right, perfect. So I'm going to go through my wind-up. Go through the wind-up. Here wind we go. I hope I can throw a strike since yeah. I'm ice cold. That wasn't a strike. You just hit the building. I know. Here we go. we got to apologize to the New Balance I'm people to, for the dent. I'm going to have to throw this one a little stiffer. All right. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> Stop laughing at me, Bronson All right. William. Here we go. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. It's kind of hard to get serious when I'm seeing the cup on the outside of the clothes. <laughs> oh, there we go. We got glove on that one. We got glove on that one. All right. And it still wasn't a strike. i got to throw a strike. It's hard to throw a strike with headphones on and a microphone in your hand. Well, it's hard to wear catcher's equipment when you have breasts and you're wearing a cup <laughs> on the outside of your pants. All right. Am I far enough away? 66 feet, 6 inches? Is that what it is? Probably or 60 not. Feet? This is probably good. This is good right Close here? enough. All right. He can it. He can it. He can right. it. He can it. So wing better. Oh, that was a perfect strike. You just we got to try one more. You took my thumb off. Oh, jeez. That was probably 55 miles an hour, too. 55 miles an hour? Yeah. All right. I'm squatting down. I want right. you to really give me the heat this time. You want the heat this time? Give me the heat. All right. Here we go. Oh. One more. We're going to throw a strike this time. Yeah, that was a little bit outside. That was, that I one. mean, if I'm allowed to critique your pitching, Bronson Arroyo. No, that, that one hit Derek Jeter, definitely. That one did? All right. All right. All right, hold on. I'm getting down in position. I'm giving you the fastball. All Here right. we go. Holy crap. That really hurts. That, that, that one was only 65. That was only 65? Yeah. If you get enough, we, we need to crank it up 25 more miles an hour, but I can't do that. Ice cold. My yeah, arm might fall off. What's up, Mistress Carrie? As you know, we are Godsmack, and we wanted to send you a very special happy 20th year anniversary on WAF, the station that helped break Godsmack 20 years ago. Smack it. Congratulations, girl. Congratulations, Carrie. Yeah, 20 years, you old fart. Have a great day, and congratulations on your proclamation from the mayor today. Peace. In the 20 years I've been on the air here at WAF, the run of championships and parades and drunken nights and celebrations has been absolutely amazing. And it's not just uh, the in-studio acoustic performances that were fantastic. Sometimes you get bands from Milan, Italy, that come in and want to sing the Muppets theme song from you. This is when Lacuna Coil was in town. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Muppet Show! <laughs> it's time to play the music! It's time to light the light! It's time to meet the Muppets on the Muppet Show tonight! It's time to put on makeup, it's time to dress up right, it's time to raise the curtain on the Muppet Show tonight. <laughs> and then sometimes bands want to play acoustic for the first time in the history of the band, and that is what happened in 2005 when Rob Halford and the guys from Judas Priest said, yes, we will sit down and play acoustic for you. 
But I have a bike too, which is why I wanted to talk to you about your motorcycle. What do you got? Give me the stats. I got a I got a Fat Boy Harley. Yeah. And it's all decked out in chrome, and I got mini apes and. Do you find those comfortable? Yeah, they're, they're mini, so it's not too high. It's, oh, but all it's right. just right here, and it's yeah, it's as sweet as can be. It's the greatest thing I ever bought. I got my bike a couple of years ago, and it it it's like the greatest thing ever. Do you, you got one for the wife? No. You got to get one for the wife. No. Yeah. Does she ride with you? Yes. She does. Yes. Where do you guys like to go? New Hampshire. Just up in the sticks, just the back take roads. Eighty nine up and just yeehaw. Do you do the Kangamangus? Somebody, everybody told me that when I get good enough, they'll take me down the Kangamangus because I haven't done that yet because it's a little twisty. Yeah, no, I haven't. And and you know, of course, South Shore, along right. the ocean, and yep. it's just so beautiful. How long have you been riding? Seven, uh, five, four years. So you're a new guy. At new guy. It. All right, because I'm but here I mean, too. I, I grew up with mini bikes and 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 you know that end of it. Just never got into Harley's because I was neck deep into Aerosmith. Right. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> As he sips his cappuccino. All right, you have to tell me honestly, and then I'll tell you honestly. Have you ever dropped your Harley? Oh, yeah. You dropped it? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. I'm not the only one. Oh, yeah. At Everybody called me a stupid chick when I dropped my oh, bike. Oh, sure. At a stoplight, and you're just so embarrassed because, what is it, seven, 800 yeah. pounds that you have to... Did you pick it up? Yeah. You By yourself? Damn near broke my you-know-what, but... Yeah. I asked a boy to help me lift it. No. I know. I had to pull the chick card out. It's too heavy. Now, you can have these things you can rest your feet on, but they're called anti-roll. Oh, yeah. The the, the bars to protect the bike yeah. just in case. It just won't go over all the way. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have those. It's a major dumb, stupid moment when that happens. You Did just... anybody know it was you? <clears throat> no, it was like 11 o'clock at night. So, I felt... so nobody... Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, people like Jay Leno ride with a full face helmet mm-hmm. so they can hide and nobody knows in traffic that mm-hmm. it's them. Were you, you know, wearing a regular helmet? Could, you know, if I were, like, sitting next to you at a stoplight, would I have known? And been like, You'd have known. Yep. Steven Tyler just dropped was, his fat boy. <laughs> it was New Hampshire, no helmet. Oh, boy. So I totally would have known. Totally. All right. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. And I you. got us matching harmonicas at the toy store. I went to the toy store. Now, they got to be in the same key. So they are the in the same key. Hey, okay. I did my homework on right. you. I so these be... are little kids' harmonicas from Toys R Us, and they're in the key of C, and you have to give me a harmonica lesson. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Okay. Don't say suck and blow. No. <laughs> draw. Okay. Draw. And blow. Okay. So draw in, and then blow out. Okay, now do that twice. Go in, in, out, out, in, in, out, out. Slow. No, no. Oh. stop whatever you do don't stop <laughs> ladies that and gentlemen kidding like we could have pulled strings and i could have found out what kind of harmonicas you use and like gone to the store and gotten the real ones but i swear to god these are first act discovery learn and play harmonicas that i got at the toy store and you just made it sound like that that's it can you do like the train kept a roll come on let's do it. wow <laughs> Great. See, that's it's the uh, it's the cheapies. It's the cheapies. They always sound good. Oh, 
Morgan and Clint from Seven Dust uh, joining me here in the studio. Good morning. Morning. I know it's early for you guys. You're so good at what you do. It's amazing. (laughs) I will start telling everybody how hot you look because you've been lifting weights if you don't stop it. (laughs) Clint just walked in and took his sweatshirt off. (laughs) Don't do this. (laughs) Oh, I'm doing it. And you have been working out hard. What are you, training for the WWF? No. You are stacked and jacked, my friend. Well, Don't cover up. I was looking like the last stage of Elvis last time he saw me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably what it is. Anything, so he, anything was an improvement from that, but I don't know. I'm just, you know, just trying something different, you know. And uh, whatever you're doing is working. I mean, what are you doing, Pilates or Tai Bo? Nah, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, we got a Pilates machine out on the bus, man. We just, no, I just, you know, do a bunch of running and stuff and punching the bag and not dra- not drinking. You're not drinking. Yeah, man. So. Which is a little bit weird, considering that Seven Dust has had a reputation for being one of the hardest partying bands <laughs> ever. Isn't that cool. always, that's always the stage <laughs> that everyone goes to, though, you know? Yeah, yeah man. Like, like, you know, behind the music type stuff. So you did know? you hit your behind the music yeah, man. moment? <laughs> yeah, you hit rock a... bottom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, I did. I tried to kill everyone in the band, so that was a cool, you know, that was a that was a, a no brainer there. You know, stop drinking, don't kill your band. You know, everything works out. You, you know. can't have a rock and roll career if you kill all the members of your band. No, I, I just I love my guys, man. You know, I just wanted to try something different. You have uh, there's only a couple of members of Seven Dust now that are Seven Dust daddies, and you have a beautiful little girl that I saw on your MTV Cribs, which we mm-hmm. need to talk about for a moment. What is she going to say when she sees the tattoo on your arm of you holding your own penis? Uh, Daddy? She's used to seeing me run around the house like that already, so, you know, we're a pretty liberal family. No. <laughs> your wife was in cold chamber, you're in seven dust, and you're a liberal family. Yeah, you know, Ooh, what a thought. You know how it is. She still shuts the door when she's going duty, though. I don't get that. Well, that's good, because you don't want her when she's 16 doing that. Right. With the door open. No, I'm talking about my wife. Oh, well, whatever. <laughs> she's trying to be polite, I'm girl. still letting my daughter duty in her pants, because... I don't want anybody going out with her, so I'm. T- I've never You're just potty knocking a potty trainer. No. So that when 40 she's years old, still taking doing a dump in her pants, the exactly. guy's gonna bring her right home when that happens. Exactly. Hi, Mike Sue. Hello, sweetheart. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Well, you know, I'm I'm well rested and in a nice air conditioned environment. How are you? Uh, sweaty, dirty, and uh, hot. Well, we love you, dirty and hot. You know that. <laughs> I know you do. Where are you right now? I am uh, at Camp Buring, which is like a 10-minute flight from the uh, Iraqi border, and I am at a barbecue. Oh, I see. So yeah, that... well, uh, they, they introduced me to something called the Kuwaiti dog. Oh, I hate to know. it. Is that real dog? No, it's not made out of real dog. Okay. It, it's a big kosher hot dog that they cut in half and stuff it with cheese and jalapenos, and is that it? And onions, and then they cover it with baked beans. Yeah, that would get me into a fighting mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good, to, it's good to hear that we're using chemical weapons over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll just, somebody get the gas mask for tonight. Wow, so what, what time is it now? Uh, what time is it? <laughs> <laughs> It's 8.30. We're seven hours ahead. Okay. Well, you sound like the guys in Shinedown that were in yesterday. Where are we? What time is it? 
Well, here's the problem. I'm trying to keep track of what time it is in Boston. I'm yeah. trying to keep track of what time it is here, and I'm trying to convert everything to military time, and that's a lot of math. All on two hours of sleep and malaria medicine. Yeah, I haven't gone to bed yet since we left, like yesterday morning or whatever day we left. I don't even really remember. What's today? Friday? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's still Friday. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah, I haven't gone to bed since yesterday. How are the boys treating you? Everybody's been great. It's awesome. They they threw a barbecue in our honor. They lit the tiki torches. It's been awesome. Oh. Oh, I think... Well, I'm losing you. I'm losing you. You're fading in and out. You still there? Oh, jeez. You know, this... <laughs> this is scary. So we've just been walking around the base and bumping into guys that didn't even know we were coming because they haven't been able to listen or check out the website. So they're just like walking down the middle of the road in the base with their gun on and stuff, and then they take a double take and they're like, Mr. Carey? What are oh, that's you doing awesome. here? That's awesome. See, that's yeah, great. That's it's great. Been it's really so cool. Somebody from home, like popping up out of nowhere, you know, for those guys. Yeah, so exactly. Awesome. So when do you actually head into Baghdad? Tomorrow. Wow. And how, how you, so you're going by C 130 to Baghdad? No, check this out. They flew us from the commercial airline in Kuwait to the base today on a Blackhawk helicopter. Yeah. With, with the doors open, just like doing like 100 miles an hour over the desert, scaring the shit out of camels. <laughs> yeah. Which was awesome. Tomorrow, they're flying us to Ali Al Salam Air Base okay. in a Blackhawk. And we're landing, and they're putting us on the general's jet and flying us into Baghdad, Pimp Daddy style. No way. So you're taking a general's ride? Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and we're going to get it all on video, the whole freaking thing. It's like it's like Ernie Box Jet. Oh, wow. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And then after that, I have no idea what's going on. You're going to have to make what they call the evasive landing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be fun. I can't wait. Are you kidding? I'm totally psyched for yeah, it. Yeah, I know. As a skydiver, you're probably very psyched about it, so... Yeah, I'm totally psyched about it. Yeah. But I've been meeting, like, such awesome people over here, and a lot of these guys have been here over a year, and yeah. they're still, like, fine about it, you know? Well, that's their they're job. They're not negative. They're, they're not bitching. Yeah. They're, they're great. They're professionals, you know? They're well-trained. But I got to tell you, though, dude... It was it was 122 degrees at 11 o'clock this morning here. Oh, God. And you have no idea. It never stops. The wind never stops. It's constant. And so there's sand flying constantly. Oh. And 120-something degrees with sand flying constantly and you're sweating your ass off. It's hell on earth. Hey, where, where have some of the guys you met, did you know where they're from? Have they said where they're from? All of these guys are from Massachusetts. Really? I'm standing with 150 of them right now. Well, they uh, where are they like where are some of the guys from that you've talked to already? Dedham, Munson, Plymouth, uh, Marshfield, yeah, um, Gardner, Gardner, Worcester, Shrewsbury, all over the place. That's awesome. Well, well right. um, hey, hydrate, 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 and uh, I'm hydrating. I'm good to go. All right, sweetheart. All right, I'll see you later. All right, be safe. I will be. All right. Tell everybody, you know, we're thinking about them. I definitely will. Celebrating my 20th anniversary today with uh, some audio out of the archives calling Mike Shu from overseas in 2006 when I was embedded with the Mass Army National Guard. And one of the songs that definitely has supplied the soundtrack for, uh, you know, all of the deployments and, and all of the trips overseas that guys have been making. That's Three Doors Down. That's the Troop remix, which I really, really love. Uh, my name is Mistress Carrie. Thank you so much for tuning in. Maddie joining me in the studio, and you brought me flowers.
Um, I had Thank to. Thank you. I had to, Carrie, because we, we, you know, we joke around a lot, but you and I, if you've been on the air for 20 years, you and I have probably known each other 25 years. I mean, yeah. I think I first started seeing you hanging around the morning show back when I was hanging around there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, you've been friends with Hillman. Right. Like your whole life, basically. Yeah. yeah. So I knew you before. Uh-huh. You got into radio, and then you were here at WAF for a while, which some people may remember, and some because you worked with Rocco. That's right. I and, was uh, working down the hall at another station, and then they fired his co-host. Right. And they said, "You want to come and do it?" And I said, "Yeah." Yeah, and and so I was talking to Hillman this morning. Mm-hmm. I came in, and we were you know going over things, and he said, "You know, what's the most memorable day in a twenty-year career? What's the most memorable day?" And you know, without question, and he agreed. He and I agreed, which Hillman and I never agree on anything, but we agreed on that. That there just isn't another day in this career that that would that would be higher as far as being memorable than 9-11. It's just impossible. And one of the things that I was telling him was that day obviously changed everything, but it changed how I viewed the 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 duty of getting behind a microphone yeah. and how I viewed what my role was with, you know, what I did with with that honor of having that microphone and having the reach and, and getting involved with all of the organizations and the volunteerism and the advocating for veterans, knowing that they were going to be coming home after something like that. Mm. And one of the the most memorable things um, I've been digging, I mean, you know, you've seen me here late night digging yeah. through boxes. And do you remember the day after 9-11, my friend Katrina, so, so 9-11 happened on a Tuesday and our show, Loco Bazooka, was supposed to happen that weekend. And right. a lot of the bands were supposed to fly in like Disturbed. And they could not physically get here because the airports weren't open. Right. And my friend Katrina, who was in a band back in the day called Lux, was down in New York. The guys from Biohazard were in New York. And there were a few other bands that were in New York that said, don't cancel local bazooka. We'll take buses and we'll come up. Yep. And we put the show on anyway, even though half the headliners couldn't even be there. But it was just an excuse a few days after 9-11 for people to get together. Right. So before Katrina could get here... She lived right near the World Trade Center. And so I had asked her, you know, I think it's hard for younger people to understand that on 9-11, we didn't have the Internet the way we have it now. We didn't have Twitter. It wasn't as easy. Not everybody had camera phones. The, the video was was awful. And so it was really hard to get. All we had was the news on television. Right. And we didn't know what we could believe, what we couldn't believe. And so on September 12th, I asked my friend Katrina to call all of us. And we were all in here. We weren't playing right. music. We weren't playing the, commercials. I remember the, the shifts, you know, three to seven, whatever yeah. our shifts bled into each other. We weren't doing traditional like we did before. No, we just because all... we just all wanted to be together. Right. And it was, right. and, and we just wanted, we just opened the phones and people were just calling and some people were sad and some people were angry. Yep. And it was just one of those things that people just wanted to be able to vent. Right. But what we did was we, we asked Katrina to call because she was seven blocks from the world trade center. And she saw everything and experienced everything in a way that only she could describe. Mm. And I found some of the audio and I wanted to play it. And you were here the day that it happened. Right. And so I waited to play it until you got in. So this is September 12th, 2001. This is my friend Katrina uh, down in Manhattan. It was horrible. I can't believe what I saw. I can't believe that in my lifetime, I thought, it's, I thought like I was in a... A war zone. I couldn't believe that what I saw were people. I thought it was debris, and when I looked, I could not believe it. And I couldn't, the only thing that came to my mind is like, what a choice. Mm. And I'm sitting here in my apartment, how dare I? 
how dare I sit in my apartment and watch these people, and I am helpless. I can't do anything, and neither can any one of us. We had to sit here and watch this happen, and one after one, we never thought the second one was going to happen, ever. Nobody did. And everybody's instincts was to run down there and try to save these people, all of them. I mean, New York, I have the most amazing respect for this city now than I ever have. Everybody is pulled together. There's more camaraderie here than I have ever seen in my lifetime. Every race, every age, every every nationality. There's, after I saw that, I the whole city completely stopped. And I, and I tried to compose myself enough, and I saw that they needed volunteers, so I went down with my guitar player. We got dressed, and we ran down there, and there was a queue of, like, a mile and a half long of people, New Yorkers, that wanted to volunteer, people that wanted to give blood. There was debris everywhere. There's cars with with everything blown out of it, pieces of paper, emails like that had been sent, like, and somebody printed them out, like, an hour before. Now, I'm trying to, to follow the timeline. Is this all before the second tower collapsed? No, this is after the second tower collapsed. So that happened while you were still in your apartment? Yes, I saw the second tower collapse, and that's when I just lost it because I couldn't, I, I couldn't just sit here and watch this. It was just wrong. I just felt wrong about it. I mean, I know that I couldn't do anything, but I, I felt wrong about it. So, I, so right after that second one collapsed, we ran down there. And it was just utter chaos. I mean, it looked like everything I had ever seen on TV in any movie I'd ever seen times 10. Mm. Worse, I mean, some of these firefighters here are telling me that it's worse than Vietnam. Some, I mean, it's horrible. This is horrible. This is the worst thing that has ever happened to this country. I mean, I'm not taking away from Pearl Harbor, but, I mean, we're talking about thousands of people here. And they didn't target our president. They didn't target Giuliani. They targeted us. They targeted everybody that we know. You know, everybody is, it's like the walking dead. Anybody who did survive is just walking around like they, they just can't even speak. Katrina, how are you a different person from today, right now, as opposed to yesterday at 9 o'clock in the morning? Well, I, I feel like I watched 20,000 people die and I couldn't do anything about it. And that was horrible. And... I know that I couldn't. I know that I couldn't do anything, because even when I went down, they were telling me to leave. But I'm here in my apartment, and I'm watching these people jump out of windows, because they would rather jump out of a window than burn. And these are people like me and you. These are people that went to work and go to work every day and think they're safe. And I, I don't know what it's going to do to me. I don't even. I can't even I can't even pack a bag right now. I like I don't even I don't even know what to do with myself. I feel guilty even laughing. I like I don't even know what to I don't even know what to say because I just it's just changed everybody. This has changed everybody. It's not only changed people that actually saw it like me and my guitar player, but it's changed the world. It's changed America. It, you could smell it in the air the way that everybody everything's changed. What we all saw you can never take back and they not only did this to us and did this to us with in our buildings with our people and our friends and our family but they did this to us with our own people and our own planes i will never in my life ever ever 
feel the way that I felt that day listening to her talk the way that's just four minutes of it. She talked for a half an hour. And for a lot of us, it was the first time we had spoken to somebody that had actually been there, that was actually there and, and looking at it. And she she was trapped. She she couldn't leave her apartment. She couldn't get out of New York. There was no way to get out of New York. And hearing her firsthand account of what that day was like for her. She had said, um, or, you know, earlier in the interview that she was trying to see better, to just see what was going on, because her perspective is that the planes were flying towards her. Right. And the building stopped them and that she felt guilty in her head, hoping that the planes would stop in the building instead of because they would have come right into her neighborhood. Right, right. And so she grabbed her camera because, it, you know, she had a really nice photographer's camera and she was using it like binoculars. And she she said she could never press the button to take a picture because she watched up close. Mm. She she could see the people in the buildings. Jumping, yeah. And listening to that that day and and having her be so raw, you know, and and just so open to be able to discuss what that was like for her. Going back and listening to the audio now brings me right back to where we were. The second I heard her voice, it was a very surreal moment for me because I was sitting in this seat and I was looking out that window and I remembered the, her New York accent, everything. I forgot about it until you just played it right now. Yeah. And I remember, like it was yesterday, I remember um, Rocco, God rest his soul, who we've lost along the way. Yeah. This big, tough, burly Rocco. Yeah. Uh, he walked out after that interview. I don't know if you remember this. No, Because you, you came in the office with us. He, he, he put down his headphones. Walked out, sat at his desk, and just lost it, sobbing, heaving, sobbing. And I was just like, I didn't know what to do. And I yeah. was like, hey, buddy. And I and you came in, and we rubbed his back. He just, it was, it was, and then a a, a fighter jet. Oh, I remember that. Right down the Mass Pike while we were broadcasting. Not <sighs> even 100 feet off the ground. Not even 100 feet. It, it shook the, the building. Oh, my God. So sitting here now, it's like a time warp has gone on with my eyes closed, listening to it in the headphones. I've blinked. And uh, 20 years has gone by, or however it's long, 9, 11, yeah. 15, where, and uh, I'm sitting in the same seat, listening to the same interview, looking at you. Uh, I know. And I, it did and I change had everything. This, I had this audio, and I didn't want to play it until you got here, because it's a shared experience that yeah. we have. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's something that was the same thing for both of us, and to be able to be in this room again. And, yeah. You know, just having to edit that, oh. I wanted to play her whole call, Yeah. you know, but, and, and so having to go through it and listen to it and now to be in this room, it's very surreal. And so when I was talking to Hillman earlier today about, you know, what the most memorable day was, I think that anyone that's old enough to remember where they were and what they, you know, were doing... Um, you know, would remember that day. Hundred percent. It's it was kind of like the loss of all our innocence in a way. You know. Yeah. Not none of us were ever the same after that. No. And we didn't see it obviously, but it's like we never. I don't know. Like you said, I was going to ask you. It's funny. I was going to ask you the twentieth anniversary. Where did the whole military love come from? For well, you? I, I grew up in a military family, right? But you and, kicked it into gear, and that was well, post nine eleven. I mean, to be honest, growing up. You know, my dad's best friend, my uncle, not a blood uncle, but those people you grow up calling an uncle. Um, he was a paratrooper in Vietnam mm. and was and was wounded in, in action and and had what we consider now post-traumatic stress. Uh. 
and watching him struggle with it without knowing what it was and being a little kid thinking it was funny that fireworks freaked out my uncle. Right, right. And and so I just always said, you know, I, I heard stories about how he had to throw his uniform away when he landed at Logan. And, and because that's when he came home and that's what it was like. And right. so I always said, you know, your generation sucks. Who would do that? Yeah. And on 9-11, I just realized that kind of woke that it, up was, in you. it was my generation's time to stand up yeah, and not yeah. make the mistakes of the generations in the right, past. Right. And to make sure that we were taking care of our guys, you know, that were going overseas. Because on 9-11, we all knew. Yeah. We didn't know where exactly they were going. We didn't know how long it was going to take. We didn't know what the mission was going to be. But you can hear it in Katrina's voice and that was on September 12th, saying they attacked us. Yeah, she did with a great job. Our people with our own planes. They weren't going after our politicians. They weren't going after, you know, they were coming after us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that is the driving force behind, you know, everything is because it's our job to not make those same mistakes to the guys. You can argue the politics all you want. Sure. Should they go? Shouldn't they go? Should they have been there? Should, those are the politicians' job. It's our job to go, well, if you're going to put the uniform on and represent us, then we have to do everything we can to support you while you're gone and when you're home. Is she still around? She's out in California now. Yeah. 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 But we still talk from time to time. And, you know, we've been friends a long time. She, I mean, for someone just 24 hours or less than the actual incident, she really yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, you know, a lot of people are texting in going, wait a minute, what was I just listening to? That was my friend Katrina in Manhattan on mm-hmm. the day after 9-11, which... Mm-hmm. You know, it's just this powerful audio. And all day long, we've been digging up all this audio. And and then every time I turn around and, and then and then someone walks in the studio and then someone calls on the hotline and I think there's somebody on the hotline. Hello? Hello? Is this Joe Perry? Yeah, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for calling today. Sure, well, it just kind of worked out that way. I guess that uh, uh, I was able to do this and uh, and I wish you a happy 20th. Thank and, you um, so much. I know um, you're busy rehearsing with your quote-unquote friends because you're going to be at the House of Blues tomorrow night. We talked to right. Gary Sharon earlier. Well, it was it was uh, really interesting just listening to you talk about your uh, your history, your, your personal history about that. Uh, that business. Um, I was we just thinking a... about where we were. You know, when I was on hold here, I was waiting. I was thinking about where we were. But uh, where were you guys? Nine eleven. I mean, uh, we're, I was on a bus, on a tour bus at Virginia Beach, and it was really strange because you know there's a there's a big naval base there, and uh, we we're kind of uh, staying at the same hotel we always stayed at, and, it, and we could see the ships going out the night before. And um, a lot of them, which was kind of strange because there, there wasn't anything announced about maneuvers or anything like that. But it was the night before, which is the 10th, which is my birthday, um, which is kind of weird, too. But uh, just a little really doesn't have anything to do with this. But, you know, so we were kind of up and around and we were, the family was with me and we were uh, going out to dinner. But we noticed all these ships going out and waking up the next day and having... Uh, you know, my road manager, John Pianelli, tell me that this, you know, we've got to turn the TV on and see what's going on. And uh, it was it was pretty pretty shocking, you know. Uh, but that was that was our, that's where we were. Everybody that, remembers that where they were. Day. 
everybody yeah. remembers. If they were old enough to really understand what was going on, everybody remembers. Yeah, well, it's another one of those days, like uh, 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 when uh, JFK got shot. I mean, it's like you know where you were if you're old enough to. But it's the same, same, same feeling you get. You know, yeah. you remember where you were. Um, and I know that's uh, giving away my age again by <laughs> saying that. But yeah, I do remember when that afternoon and listening to the radio and hearing that that kind of news. Um, that's really kind of strange. I mean, not much has changed, huh? Well, I've been going through all of my archives and all of my old stuff, and. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you were the first interview that I ever did as a DJ at WAF. You and Steven Tyler were the first band I ever interviewed as a DJ. You, really? You were down on the South Shore, and you guys had opened a restaurant with, like, Doug Flutie or something. Yeah. And we sent the Rock Bus down there. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to interview Aerosmith. I had been a DJ for, I don't know, maybe a month. And they were like, we're going to send you down to interview Joe Perry and Steven Tyler. And I was like, wait, what? Okay. So then I started doing all this research, and I was like, well, what can I bring them? Because I should bring them something because they're, well, they're Aerosmith, for Christ's sake, and I should bring them something. And so I was like, I wonder if they smoke cigars. So I asked a friend of my dad's, you know, well, if you, you know, do you like cigars? What kind of cigars do you like? Because I want to bring the guys an Aerosmith cigars. And I brought you guys cigars and you came up on the rock bus and and you were the first band i interviewed and that was 20 years ago next month and now you're calling wow. me to help me celebrate my 20th anniversary and it's it's pretty awesome so thank you very well, there much there you go i mean it certainly doesn't have the i wouldn't think the gravity of the other things we were talking about but you kind of remember those things too i mean um so that's uh it's all um, memories um, that's though nice that's the hear. thing that's it's nice to hear that we were there i hope we were we were fun and uh you know um uh and it was a good interview for you no you guys were great but i was scared to death i was sitting here looking at you guys going i how did i get here how how, <laughs> how the hell did i get here and well, i've been you know. fortunate enough to say those exact words many times in my 20-year career here the, how the hell, you know, did I get here right now? And and it's been a day of reminiscing the good, the bad, the happy, the sad. I mean, you can't do a 20th anniversary show without talking about the funny things, but also talking about the serious things, because a lot's happened in the last two decades. Well, definitely. And, and those things kind of, uh, again, uh, it, you can't have the good without the bad and vice versa. You know, um, that's what makes the good as good as it is, too, you know, and try and we try and fix the bad stuff as, as the best we can, but but live it, live on the good side, you know. So um, it's uh, um, that's twenty years of uh, of, of uh, being being an experience for people, which is a blink of and an eye in your it was career. A, a, the positive stuff, you yeah, know? and that's it. So you're you're part of the, the soundtrack of their lives. So that's a really good thing to to celebrate. So, well, I hope I do it as long as you guys have been doing it. That would be great. <laughs> well, I have had plenty of those those same moments of like, how did I get here? <laughs> and you know what? I'm having one right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I, I hope it's a good one. <laughs> it is. Well, you know, it's this, and then to, then to to play um, to play it at the House of Blues. I mean, 
Well, that I was joking. Was the old Boston Tea Party. I mean, uh, actually, it was the second Boston Tea Party. I remember the first one. But well, the, not only that, that, but it was your bar. It used to be Mamakin. Right. Well, you know, t- things change. You know? <laughs> it's one thing that's going to stay the same. It's changed. Things will change. Yep. And hopefully for the better. But it was uh, those those times, you know, when we had the, the restaurant down here on the South Shore. That was a lot of fun. And certainly having Mama Kin was. But um, we're going to bring some, some new music, some old music, and everything in between tomorrow night and have a good time. And, uh, yeah, I'll definitely be having a... a uh, one of those, you know, how did I get here moments? Yeah, you know, oh, probably this last, this last, uh, the last three or four days has been that because um, you know, Brad's playing with me, with me, and, and David Hall, and uh, Charlie's going to be coming up. So it's, uh, I'll be looking around, going, man, yeah. Sometimes time stands still in those in those moments, and I, I'm I'm sure you can attest to that when you think about those those times when you were like when you uh you know say you're you're on the bus with with uh me and steven yeah. you know and, well, and daryl mcdaniels and called me other today. people you've talked to over the years you know you go back and you think about it you go well i'm sitting here talking to this one or that one and it's like yep that's a moment well daryl mcdaniels called me today speaking of aerosmith and it's like oh my god that's well, that's dmc from run dmc like it's it's been an amazing day, and you know I'm honored that you wanted to be a part of it, and I can't thank you enough, you know, well, for, they, for calling. They, they, I came. I've been spending a lot of time uh, on uh, in, in LA the last few years, and coming in right now has been uh, it's been great, and uh, it feels like a real homecoming for me because again, we're going to you know play it play at this place that's uh, been been the witness to a lot of a lot of amazing music and uh to go in there and do it and uh so uh, there's a certain synchronicity to the, to the whole thing and you know it's a, a time to celebrate the good you know and uh i hope you can make it tomorrow night yeah i am gonna be you'll down probably there. be sleeping off a hangover <laughs> well you know we have something in common because uh, a few years ago it was aerosmith day in the city of boston and i'm happy to tell you that the mayor certified today is mistress carrie day in the city of boston so i hope you're celebrating appropriately joe perry well it's uh we're still uh you know there are a lot a lot of anniversaries around now uh, uh i think that the that the the for us anyway with uh, rocks coming out uh, like 40 years ago it's crazy. Um, not not too long ago, and uh, and our fiftieth anniversary is coming up in twenty twenty. So we're kind of looking at that as like um, we've got a few few things uh, that involve Boston, obviously, um, in mind, and hopefully um, we'll be able to see those come to fruition in the next uh, in the next year, so that we can kind of celebrate it all together. But uh, yeah, that's that's a big one for us. Uh, and well, again, you kind of like uh, this kind of snaps you back to the first day, yeah. kind of thing, you know. Um, well, thank uh, like you, you so much for the, uh, the interview thing. And, yeah, uh, the, you were you were the first, and it was twenty yeah. years ago. Wow! And it's well, been an honor to know you since then. So thank you so much for always being gracious with your time. Sure. And, well, you know, we'll 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 see you. I hope yeah. to see you tomorrow. We'll so, celebrate uh, tomorrow. Great. All right, well, Thanks, have a good Joe. night, you know, and, uh, you know, don't get too far out there. <laughs>
<laughs> it's I'll... a long way back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Joe. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You too. See ya. Wow, that just happened. Joe Perry yeah, just called. No big deal. No Joe big Perry deal. just interrupted our conversation. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> Fantastic. That's a great quote, by the way. It's a long way back. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Don't get too far out there because it's a long (laughs) way back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.